across the sea of character sheets, deep in the forest of D20s lies the mountain of source books. Welcome to the Mountain of Source Books. We hope you enjoyed your climb. My name is Jeffrey Vincent Dale, and joining me today is Jesse. Hello. Now, usually we don't do news twice in a row, but we had a lot of D&D announcements this week, so we figured we'd talk about those. Yep. There's kind of funny ones this time, actually. Yeah, we'll start with the funniest one. D&D and Minecraft? Honestly, it makes sense. There's a lot of monsters that you could pretty easily put in the D&D. Or, sorry. Other way around. Minecraft. (laughs) The funny thing is they did both. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But um, I actually think an Enderman would work really well in D&D. But like, the thing about Minecraft is it's just kind of a big box. And like, you can throw stuff in there pretty much willy-nilly. And honestly, if you're playing minecraft and not doing it modded i don't know what you're doing um (laughs) so like it has that like kitchen sink approach to pretty much everything anyway and that's what kind of what DD is especially when it comes to it's like broader bigger monsters some of them i think would be a terrible idea to put into a minecraft game because it would add all kinds of bonkers stuff but that's me yeah they did say that uh the D&D content, most of it cannot cross over into the other content. It's just the skins that you can take with you. Ah, uh, okay. So it's kind of its own separate thing. And then it's... Maybe it's, it might actually just be kind of like a mod set to some degree, like a sanctioned mod set as opposed to usual. They announced that it's kind of like a DLC story that lasts like 10 hours. That's a lot. Yeah. And then you can carry over the, the character skins into other content, but everything else is limited to just that. Uh, and then, as we mentioned, they also made the Monstrous Compendium Volume 3 Minecraft Creatures stat blocks. Creepers. Uh, I think they did put the Enderman in there. The Enderman's the one that I actually like. Um, creepers are, even in Minecraft, the most annoying, pointless thing in existence, and... <laughs> D&D, it would just annoy your players to no end. All right, so next up, the virtual tabletop, the official one. I am so torn on this. Yeah. It looks really cool, and it looks like like all of the little like details, like they like the it ties very well with D&D Beyond, which is exactly what you need to do. You can play it on console. <laughs> yes. Which is which actually, <laughs> which is a, that's actually a very good thing. That one's the one advantage I'd actually see as a concept, because not a lot of people have, like, setups for their computers that would work especially great in situations like that, so it depends on the person. The problem is, it's so much more than you need for a D&D session. Yeah, and we don't know what the monetization for it's going to look like either. That's the other problem. <laughs> but... It does look cool. So. <laughs> and it is also really cool that it integrates D&D Beyond directly into it. Yeah, that's that's the thing that's like really good. Because like um, one of the players in my Tuesday game for D&D has like his whole thing set up to where he can even roll stuff using the D&D Beyond stuff, even though like the rest of us aren't using it. It's like, that's really neat. If this thing like completely integrates that, that's extremely cool. 
But at the same time, it's also kind of like, you don't need this much for D&D. <laughs> Some of it might even be distracting. <laughs> yeah, I could see it getting distracting a little bit. We'll see, though, because every once in a while, they'll do a video game and then they'll announce something like, oh, hey, here's a way to create your own levels and stories. And I'm, every time I hear that, I'm like, oh, cool. But then usually it's not very great. It's very limited. This kind of feels like a natural extension of that that's closer to, because of its integration of tabletop, is closer to what I actually want. Yeah. All right. Now on to another fun one. Life-size D&D figures. <laughs> oh my god. It, what's frustrating is... Were I not poor? <laughs> <laughs> Did I not need obscene amounts of money for all of the things that I'm currently doing on outside of this that I'm not going to talk about? I would actually consider doing this because A, baby owlbear. Yeah. There's no no such thing as a cuter thing in the world than a baby owlbear. And then the, the pseudo, pseudo dragons are basically cats. People don't know that. They're they're basically cats that are also dragons. But the Mimic, that's just a classic. And it's like, these things are expensive, though. The smallest one, the, the like lowest amount is $100. The largest, upwards of almost 400 <laughs> Yeah, the Pseudo Dragon is $100. That one, that one's actually, it says it's backordered, so it, it might already be out. Yeah. But that one looks cool. The Baby Owlbear is 130 and then... The mimic is three seventy five. Yep. <laughs> it's cool of an idea, and it's something you know weird little collectors will do because I know plenty of people who collect random crap to put around their rooms and stuff like that, and they're very much D and D people. But it's also very expensive, and this podcast is poor. Yeah. Like half the pra- half half the purpose of this podcast is we spend too much money on things. So. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Maybe one of these days I'll have a pseudo dragon sleeping atop my D and D shelf. <laughs> Probably not, but maybe. No. <laughs> All right, and then we got our the uh, announcement for the books for this year. Hey, we have uh, Bigby presents Glory of Giants, which is. A guide about giants. Yeah, it's gonna have it's gonna have some new monsters in it. It's gonna have player options, like classes and race options. Yeah, that's kind of more what I'd be looking for. Unfortunately, I've been playing D anD D long enough to have played through an adventure and a half that's all about uh, giants, and it's like giants are fine if you like put them into stuff, but they're not great on their own. Hmm. I've wanted to run Storm King's Thunder, but it sounds like it's very hard because it's very sandboxy. Yeah, and also we would need a group to do it. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> the next one's the one I'm most excited for. Fandelver and Below, the Shattered Obelisk. I would be a lot more interested if we ever finished that first semester. <laughs> ah, but that's the best part. The level 1 to 5 part of this book is a reprint of that starter adventure. Oh, actually, I kind of like that. Yeah, so this is just, they're, they're expanding that starter adventure into a full campaign. And I guess a lot of the books have 
mysterious obelisks that have been unexplained since the beginning of 5th edition. Oh. And this adventure explains them. I don't remember them. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I haven't played any of the 5th edition adventures through, so I didn't know that until they, they mentioned you it. You know, that's the, uh... probably why I haven't noticed it. I haven't done that either. <laughs> Alright, and then the one that I'm quite frankly least excited about. Planescape Adventures in the Multiverse. See, yes, and also I really like Planescape, but it's also... Planescape to me is one of those settings that you have to be all the way in on, or nobody's going to have any fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I... Looking at the way that they design 5e adventures, I'm sure it will fix my primary issue with Planescape, mm-hmm. which is how obtuse everything is. Everything's obtuse. Everything is all over the place. It's extremely like anxiety-inducing to figure out what you're supposed to do, and everyone wants to stab you in the back. And that can be frustrating for a while, a lot of people, but it is also the most creative setting i've ever seen in my life and it has a lot of old school flavor to it which is kind of being lost in these days yeah it'll be interesting to see the approach they take to it which parts they keep which parts they update hopefully it's at least a visual update to the setting so not everything's brown (laughs) not everything's brown and doesn't look like it was made in the 80s because it was Yeah, that was my biggest complaint with uh, Planescape Torment was just mm-hmm. everything was brown. Just a yep. different shade of brown. That's it. And it's fascinating because that's an old game and that was well before people decided that they were just allergic to color. But So it's just like they just decided to do that. Don't know why. <laughs> yes. But uh, this last one, I don't really know what they're doing because it looks like it's a like super old past event telling the story behind the deck of how the deck of many things was made yeah i'm not sure uh they literally what's in the announcement here is all they gave us was hey we're doing an adventure and it's about the deck of many things it's like i like the idea but i also think how do you do this and also get to the point where people can finish it because usually the deck of many things just destroys the campaign <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you'll get a player that will draw a single card, maybe two, and then it will never be touched again. (laughs) (laughs) Probably because somebody died. Or worse. Yeah, that one, that's the most wild card one in there that could be really interesting or could be something I avoid, depending on what it is. (laughs) It's just one of those things where it's like, I would probably not spend money on something that I would only use, like, maybe once in a campaign after, like, 45 sessions. Yeah. (laughs) And then, that's it for this year, but they did tease some stuff for next year. That feels weird. It's only, it's only, uh, well, technically it's... Yeah. By the time this episode is out, it will be April. Yeah, Uh, I was was trying to figure out the math on that. (laughs) It's not going to be March anymore, because... We physically cannot be in March. We put this up, so yeah. Yes, we're recording this on the thirty-first D and D movie day. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, the 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 future stuff. They they're teasing that Vecna will be there. Will be a Vecna focused adventure. Uh, oh, a world hopping adventure. 
uh, featuring Vecna as the main villain? I don't know. Vecna is a rough one because every first off, every setting has this big ridiculous lich who's totally not Sauron, <laughs> and like Vecna is one of those ones where it's like he hits that level of mythic character that almost seems a little overused. The amount of times I've seen I've seen the hand of Vecna in campaigns is way too often. Often enough that they made a life-size replica of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have also um, had a one-shot where the characters baked the hand of Vecna into bread, creating the bread of Vecna, and his <laughs> undead army baked bread until the world ended. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. I- yeah, I, as a person who kind of didn't get into things until 5th edition, I don't know a lot about Vecna. I know he's a lich. I know he's absurdly powerful. And then I know that Stranger Things named a villain, named a character after him. That's literally all I know about Vecna. Yeah, that's. I think that was one of those things where I realized Stranger Things was just like, oh yeah, we have an idea and we're just going to kind of like use this thematically. And it's not really going to be at all important because nobody who watches the show actually plays D&D. So <laughs> yet a lot of people did start playing D&D because of it, but say lovey. I don't, <laughs> mm-hmm. that, I have opinions for a different podcast about that show. So <laughs> maybe one day if I actually sit down and finish it, then we can talk about yeah, it. No, I, I watched <laughs> season one and, uh, let's see. Then on, on top of Vecna returning, let's see. We got the Red Wizards of Thay are going to feature in an adventure. I like them. I like them a lot. They are essentially thematic fascist wizards. So they're very, very good villains. They have a really cool magic set that like revolves around tattoos and stuff like that. It's hard to really explain without going into like a 30 page dissertations. So. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing them in the movie. I guess they're like the, the main antagonists oh, of the movie. I did not know that. That's actually kind of neat. Yeah. Let's see that. Oh, <laughs> and then they're going possibly a little goofy with things. Cause uh, the, the other returning villain, the next one is the D and D cartoon villain Avenger. Oh, wow. That's, <laughs> I mean, you can do something with that, but that's a weird choice. Yeah. Also, he, if I remember correctly, he was basically Darth Vader with wings. <laughs> yeah, I, I know nothing about the 80s cartoon. I, I missed out on that one. It was just slightly before my time. Before our time. It, yeah, it was. Um, It was that level of bad that's like, this is insufferable. But there's some good ideas here, and compared to what you're expect, like it's not what you're expecting from a D and D cartoon, but it's about as close as you're gonna get in this era of time. Obviously, there would be better examples later. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last returning villains that they announced for next year's adventures, um, the League of Malevolence. I don't even know what that is. Uh, I guess that they were created for Wild Beyond the Witchlight. Yeah, I don't know enough about that. Yeah, that's that's one of these those adventures that I have not experienced yet. I 
both really want to run it and really want to play it, so I haven't touched the book even though I own it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whichever opportunity arises first, that's what I'll do. If I if I end up playing it, that'll be great. If I end up running it first, that's cool too. Well, I don't own it, so <laughs> I own too many adventures. I think I think because of sales and stuff. Again, it's the point of the podcast. <laughs> yes, I, th- I think because of sales, there are only three D and D adventures that I don't own from Fifth That's Edition. Honestly, amazing. <laughs> I I skip Dungeon of the Mad Mage because I don't like uh, I don't like dungeon crawls. Mm, yeah. Uh, I skipped Princes of the Apocalypse for the same reason. I think that one's less so, but yeah, I think i've heard that one's kind of just like it's also like really depressing <laughs> yeah I, if i understand correctly there's like a mega dungeon and you have to follow like four different plots to unlock four different parts of the dungeon so there's going to be lots of going to the dungeon and finding out you can't proceed and then leaving <laughs> uh, maybe i'm misunderstanding it but based on what i've heard that's what the impression i got and that's why i didn't want to get it See, what you need to do is do something closer to um, Curse of Strahd, where you have like, oh, hey, here's four different things that you can do. And if you do all of them, it will make your chances of surviving much easier. Or you could just go in and hope for the best. <laughs> yeah, and then I, I, I skipped uh, Descent to Avernus as well, just because I've heard that was okay. really hard to run. I think that's the one I was thinking of. I'm not sure about Princes of the Apocalypse, what that one's about. Yeah, uh, Princes of the Apocalypse is like uh, elemental worshipping cults. Okay, yeah, no. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking of Avernus, because I was... I yeah, think Avernus the, is the one where a city falls into hell. <laughs> yeah. Because devils and princes have... Those words mean things to me in comparison to each other. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. But yeah... Not the most exciting announcements, I think, that they've done for adventures, but I'm still interested. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it's... it's. I mean, they're, they're definitely winding down, you can tell. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they're starting 6th edition, which is a whole bag of worms. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm not looking forward to seeing what they try and do with an OGL for 1D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, based on what we saw for what they tried to do to the 5th edition one. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they are making a lot of changes I like. I like simplification. I like clarification. It sounds like Grapple is actually going to be useful now. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. we've uh, So there's a, um old RPG mainstay that Grapple rules in general are either useless or so complex that you don't ever want to use them. So maybe this one will crack the barrier of either of those. Yeah, I, I guess there's an entire uh, uh, an entire monk build for Five E that n- and now that Grapple actually works is actually really overpowered now. <laughs> and then you have the other problem. Yeah, I, I mean, I they're boosting the Ranger. That was my biggest yeah, ask. Yeah, we <laughs> both of us have always been the been marks for like the least useful class of the game, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, because I was a bard for most of my life, <laughs> and oh yeah, bards did not. But yeah, 
Yeah, they they announced some other stuff. I think they're doing a fiftieth anniversary documentary, including a bunch of never before seen and discussed stuff from the creation day, days of D and D and. Uh, another Trist novel got announced. Oh. <laughs> what are we up to? Thirty of them now, I think. Yeah, I look. I if you like Salvatore, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. If you like his writing, I am happy for you. I don't know how you could have created a character so you ubiquitously anno- annoying as Drizzt in my life. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I read the three prequel novels. The the first one was pretty good, and then they diminished with each entry. <laughs> That's what it sounded like when you were talking about it. Yeah, and then also there's the sort of latent racism and mm-hmm. sexism. and It's frustrating you know. <laughs> because you could have easily subverted it, and then you didn't. <laughs> I, I will give him this. Uh, Salvatore has, has gone out of his way to say that... that to to make an effort to change that, yeah, and, and retcon that, and that's it, been good. It's probably been better. It's just getting to the point where you can read that is impossible for me because, again, probably, maybe even lowballing at thirty books, and I just can't. Yeah, I'm not invested enough to be able to get into that. <laughs> yeah, I have read enough to like that version of Drizzt as a character and I know his deal now and I just don't really see a need to follow his journey further than that. (laughs) (laughs) If they were to take the events of that first book, update it to remove the offensive stuff, I could see that making a solid D&D movie. And then he's had his own video game now with the Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Yeah. Not good. <laughs> he was also in Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, which he was a secret character. Oh, I did not know that. I well, I haven't played much of it. I I, yeah. I bought it for the Switch and played the first couple of hours of it. Uh I, I never I think I just finished the tavern at the very beginning. Uh and I just haven't gone back to it. I, I plan to, but I bought a lot of D&D games all at once because <laughs> they Sounds started like releasing it. them all around the same time. Spent way too much money. Speaking of some franchises that I spend way too much money on, let's get into that Star Wars character creation. Oh, I love it. All right, so once again... We're back for character creation, this time for Star Wars West End Games. The old one. Yeah, the one that's literally as old as I am. (laughs) It was released the same month that I was born. Keep making me feel old. (laughs) (laughs) I am older than everyone here. (laughs) Yes, you are. I'm like, what month did this come out? October of 87. I'm slightly younger than that. (laughs) All right, so uh, we're going to start by introducing everyone's characters and then figuring out how they're connected to each other after that. So uh, since Teach already 
kind of did the character thing during our first impressions episodes, we'll start with Teach. Hello. So, my character type is Brash Pilot. I chose the name Beverly Bass. Uh, as you, as I mentioned before, it's from Come From Away, but just so you know, that that is a real person. Um, there's background with that. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> so I've got heights. I'm doing 5'1", weight 120. I want this character to be a small, tiny fighter. Uh, female, age 30. Physical description, small, blonde hair, blue eyes. Wears stolen pilot uniforms. So she just has a collection of stolen pilot uniforms. I like the changes. idea that they're like trophies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Does she yeah. change them to disguise herself? Or is it just like, no, I just wear this wearing this today. Both. 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 Okay. Um, yeah, uh, she has stolen uniforms for camouflage purposes, and she has stolen uniforms like, hey guys, guess who I messed up the other day? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> do we want to do the catchphrase as well, or no? Uh, I didn't realize there was a catchphrase. Is like on the character sheet? Uh, yeah, it's on the back. Oh. I mean, if you have one ready, why not? Well, there each each character type has a catchphrase, and they also have it's listed under the equipment. Okay. Yeah. So my catchphrase is "Heck, that flying wasn't so fancy." Back home, I used to outmaneuver the XP thirty eights with my old Mobquet M O B Q U E T land speeder. R- rule of thumb in Star Wars is just make sounds and. You'll have something by the end of it. <laughs> yes, say it confidently. Okay. Yes. No matter how you say it, some fanboy is going to complain and say you said it wrong. Oh yeah, no, that's that's a natural thing. We're absolutely not like <laughs> authorities on this franchise in any way. I am definitely not. Hey, no. even in Star Wars, uh, we had uh, Lando calling Han Han. And then they in the movie they came up with an explanation for why. <laughs> in <love> solo. <laughs> she didn't say it wrong, it's a regional dialect. <laughs> Alright, so um and then the equipment I have the equipment I come with apparently is blaster, rebel uniform, med pack, vacuum suit, and a thousand credits. All right, and then Steve. Oh, I am playing the bounty hunter. Very appropriate. Hey, no, I was looking at the Ewok, but um, since <laughs> we're playing a bounty hunter game, I decided to be good and play a bounty hunter and follow <laughs> everything. His name is Ace Remos. He's uh, six feet tall, 200 pounds, and 29 years old. They give a background in this, I don't know. Probably not going to say be true, so I'm not going to follow it. Yeah, we can we can just go with the background, like as we're doing character connections. Yeah, the quote that they give mine is "Don't try it, buddy." I'm only going to tell you once. But he has a ton of equipment. He has a heavy blaster, 
a holder blaster, a blaster pistol, thermal death detonator, a knife, another knife, protective vest, <laughs> jet pack, two med packs, and a thousand credits. <laughs> that is a lot. So he has a lot of things. <laughs> and, you know, maybe I'll buy a uh, knife number three. <laughs> yeah, you gotta get a vibroblade. <laughs> yeah. So you can fight Jedi, which isn't going to happen, but... <laughs> you say that now. <laughs> it's not gonna, you're not planning it, but wait until we try and fight some Jedi. Alright, and then Jesse. Okay, I am playing the Hammer. You don't know her real name. She's a former gladiator. I will probably talk about it later at some point. Uh, in terms of the stuff at the top, her height is six foot four. She is very heavy. I don't know what the appropriate weight for that would be, so I don't. Also, she wears fairly heavy armor as well, so I have no idea. Age is unknown. Physical description is unknown. None of you know what she looks like. I think that if anyone asks for her weight, she just slugs them in the face. How about that? And that's why no one knows what her weight is. Just like hefts the hammer on her shoulder and just, as her quote, you really want to ask that? <laughs> <laughs> which the quote I would probably say is, you really want to try that, which is where I would think that would say that. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, her uh, hammer is uh, mostly an affectation from her gladiatory days that, uh, generally speaking, when she ended fights, usually ended up maiming somebody with a very crunchy sound. She is not a nice person. Uh, equipment, she has a uniform, which I don't know what that means. Blaster rifle, the hammer, that's the reason for it. It's considered a club in the game, but you know. Mm -hmm. Comlink, a backpack, a protective helmet, and 2,000 credits. Standard. All right, and then uh, I'm going to give you all a ship. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to use the stat blocks for the Millennium Falcon. I'll pick something else as the actual ship. But the stat block-wise, it can do everything the Millennium Falcon could do. Just okay. so you get a general idea of the size and firepower of the ship. The Eon Pelican. So is this, <laughs> is this like, essentially starship level? Because I have starship piloting, starship shields, starship repair. It's a lot of starship stuff. That sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, so now for the... Less structured, but probably most fun part, character connections. Yay. Mm -hmm. So, a diverse number of backgrounds you come from, so... <laughs> <laughs> All over the place. <laughs> I, apparently I'm from the country, some kind of... Heck, that flying wasn't so fancy. Yep, it's <laughs> it's gotta be a southern accent. Uh, so, I'm like... It's space southern. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a farmer, but in space, and I always wanted to ride them fancy starships, but I was too poor, and I didn't have the money to go, and then this whole war thing started, and gosh darn it, I just got sick of waiting, and I took off, and I taught myself how to pilot. Yeehaw. <laughs> that is a skill to learn. <laughs> while doing it. Wow. <laughs> so from there, I mean, I feel like the easiest person for you to meet would be the semi-celebrity. Okay. So Jesse's character. 
so her whole thing is um, she's, you know, formerly known. The, the big important thing is that she doesn't really have, like, a publicist or anything like that. She would show up to things. It's basically one of those, the name means a lot more than really anything else she's doing in the process. So when she stopped doing fights, like, people would vaguely recognize her, but it's less of a, like, might have seen it in a vid or something. It's not that huge of a deal. However, one of her big things as a character is that she's not doing bounty hunting is because it's like, it's a thing that I'm good at. It's kind of because she's got some pretty significant debts and probably needs to pay those. Um, probably hut-related, considering the way Star Wars likes to do that. Okay. So, I need money. But I do think like putting a group together would probably be a thing that you would try and do if you're trying to... But I don't really know what our job is. That's kind of a bit of a difference, but... Well, what if we are... I mean, what if we take it out of, uh, I was joking before about, uh, Firefly, but what if we kind of take it out of that handbook and it's just like, oh, hey, I'm a person and I'm looking for people that can do things. Yeah, like, you need... Taking on odd jobs? Yeah, like, you have a ship. Yes. And... I have a ship. Actually, that's a curious question. Like... is, Is there a other crew for this ship, Jeff? Like, Is it just us? Yeah, Yeah, if it's just us, like, because technically I feel like Teach's character probably would have been already functioning as a pilot for a while. So there's like, she have like, I don't know, like a droid co-pilot or something? For your stats, Teach, do you have anything? What are, like, what are your repair-based stats? They're all 3D, and I've got computer program repair, repulsor lift repair, starship repair as plus ones. Basically, my stats are heavy in piloting and repair. And then I've also got planetary systems as an increase as well, because I figured that would be useful for piloting. Yeah, navigating. Yeah. All right, we'll we'll say you've got uh you managed to salvage an old beat up droid. It kind of stays with the ship and watches it and also assists with piloting duties and stuff like communicating with the ship. Oh, 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 okay. We can make the ship have an Alexa. <laughs> Basically, have a computer program protect everything. So it's uh-huh. kind of like somewhat functionally automatic, probably not super effective. So you definitely wouldn't, like, just put it on automatic and be like, it functions perfectly. But in times of, like, everyone needs to do something because, like, the ship is on fire. So we need need everyone to put it off. You can put it on there so it keeps moving forward. It's Jarvis. <laughs> it's it's Jarvis. That's, that's exactly what this is. We'll say for the sake of game balance, uh, the droid can attach itself to the ship and you can pick a duty for it to do. Yeah. And it will do that one duty and then everything else you have to take care of. Okay, that's fair enough. All right. So are we doing it that I just happen to have this ship that I fixed up and I'm flying around? Yeah. Fixed up or stole or yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I feel like I don't again, I don't know what our job is, but 
me and Steve at one point in time, for whatever reason, did actually hire you to pilot something. And it's just like we, it became a working relationship at some point. How me and Steve got together is another question because it's the idea that like we we're both technically like doing this as bounty hunters. So it's like, how often is that not a solo thing? And then it just became a unit after a period of time because we've been working together so long. So it's like we all work on jobs specifically. My background that I may or may not use is <laughs> like I, you know, I, yeah, work for whoever pays me. And it said the Empire hired me and I did the job, but they didn't pay up. And so it's like usually I work for a thousand a day, but now I have a contract with the Rebellion. And it pays a credit a day to go against the Empire. Yeah, th- this game I was heavily skewed towards playing as Rebels. Which is a good thing, because... <laughs> yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, the moral, uh, the ethics of the two sides, yeah. But, I mean, I I wish there had been a little bit more wiggle room for independent characters. Yeah, that's Who aren't the big part of the thing. conflict. Because, like, an example, um, from the Bert Mercs, I, I use something that's very different from the concept. There's a whole thing about like it's actually very similar. You worked for the you work you like did a job for the empire and then they basically betrayed you. So it's like you specifically want revenge. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing. I think that's the good Steve, one. Steve, what's your character's name again? Ace and Jesse. The hammer. You have no idea what her actual name is. <laughs> Got it. And it's not that it's like nobody ever asked. It's more like. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> Actually, it's very possible the player characters possibly know. It's just that it's never going to be set in game, and nobody like actively knows it overall. It's like it's not common knowledge. I'm game. That's good enough. All right, yeah, that works. So your your allies of convenience that have just been together for so long that yeah, it's, no we, point in not sticking we, together now. We work together now, and we kind of like. Like, we may not even have been started off as bounty hunters, but it started becoming the, like, job we ended up doing a lot. So it's like, that's what we're doing now. And it's also possible we may do other jobs, too. So it's, you know, it is what it is. Okay. What age are we in again? Uh, this is during the original trilogy. Okay. We can decide that now. Like, around when do we want this to be? Roughly around the time of Empire... I kind of like actually the period before A New Hope, like just before, where okay. it's like everything is like not on the level, like because like, at that point everything is kind of like teetering towards a lot of large scale conflicts. Mm-hmm. I feel like like there's a calm before the storm in that area, and that fits better for us because it's like any like imperial involvement will kind of just be like they're you know they're there to be the policing authority at the place it's not really like we're not actively fighting against them at least as far as we're aware yet so they're they're there they suck but we're not like in a full-scale war at this point okay is everyone all right with that that sounds good i don't know enough about star wars to know what that is (laughs) okay so we've got movie one through six which one are we talking about just before four yeah so so luke has not yet become a rebel okay got it yeah the the jedi are all but extinct 
Uh, well, according to the movies, anyways, the ancillary media is making that less and less believable. Oh my god, but... <laughs> it's getting so bad. <laughs> uh, the Empire is in full control. There's very little question about it. Who's in charge and who would win a conflict? Basically, that's all you need to know. Big Empire in charge. Everybody hates it, but nobody's really doing anything about it yet. And we're off doing something kind of completely irrelevant to that, so... Probably in hut space, which is basically just international waters. <laughs> yeah, the the Outer Rim, technically still Empire territory, but they don't have enough people to actually police it. So are we just going with the Hammer and Ace just know each other and work together? Well, I feel like like in the story that we've kind of set up, like I would say probably one of us, I'll probably say Ace at one point, like hired you specifically to like get someplace because he doesn't have a ship of his own. I I imagine like we were like both doing missions in the same place. Both were doing a thing and we Killing both like came across each other and it's kind of like became a stalemate thing and it's like eventually we had to work together and then we just started doing that and then over the course of time we just kept doing missions together and it has become an actual unit now. Yeah. Yeah, so allies of convenience, really. Yeah. I like money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, money is good. Also, yeah, also really strong and much better to have you as an ally than an enemy. Yeah. I, I like my knees. <laughs> <laughs> I like my knees. <laughs> all right, so we got everything all set. We're ready to play our Star Wars adventure. and that'll be all for our Star Wars character creation. Now, normally this is the part where I remind you to come back in two weeks to hear us play the game, but unfortunately life has kind of given us a bit of a complication recently. Teach, my co-host and sister, has spent some time in the hospital and has since been diagnosed with cancer. Now, as you can imagine, scheduling a play session while she's dealing with all those specialist appointments and scans and figuring out what her fight is going to look like. It's just... The podcast is not as much of a priority as her recovery, and so she is going to be focusing on her now. So, realistically, we don't really know when we're going to be coming back to Star Wars to record that gameplay. We are planning to, but it's kind of on indefinite hold right now. With that said, Jesse and I do have some ideas we're kicking around for some alternative content. It still fits the remit of this show, but doesn't require as many people. So you can still expect to hear a new episode on April 18th. Just going to be different content. Probably just featuring the two of us for now, just while we're figuring out a new path forward for the show. 